You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Here's what I can say clear cut about this game when I start to give an advantage. The better coach is clearly Kirby Smart. Clearly. Now I have enough evidence. They're not going to get penalties. They're not going to turn the football over. They're not going to beat themselves. What have we seen from Nick Saban in Alabama the past several years? That discipline that we once saw that was elite of elite has eroded. Penalties up. Turnovers have been more consistent. Like, the one thing I do know, and I know nobody wants to hear that, and I'm sure everybody's going to be like, oh, you went to Georgia. No, Kirby's the better coach right now. Wow. That is former ESPN college football analyst and also former Georgia All-American defensive lineman David Pollock on the SNAP podcast with Aaron Murray. And T-Bob Bear saying point blank that Kirby Smart is a better coach than Nick Saban. I got a lot of problems with that. Good morning. I'm Gary Harris. Welcome into the Gary Harris Show along with Noah Haynes. We're with you the next couple of hours talking sports and more here on the Big Tide 100.9 FM. All right, I'm going to get into the lineup, talk about Alabama Credit Union. But first, why I have a problem with that. First of all, I don't think it's true. Um, he makes that sound like, and I think Kirby's a terrific coach, but Nick Saban did win the national championship in 2020. He won the SEC championship, beating Georgia in 2021 and played for the national championship. Last year, Alabama lost two games on the final play of the game against Tennessee and against LSU and blew out Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl this year. With a team that many people thought would lose after losing to Texas and struggling at South Florida, would lose three or four or five games. Alabama is 11 and 1 and 8 0 in the SEC and playing Georgia on Saturday for the SEC championship. So Kirby and Georgia are riding high right now, but Alabama hasn't gone anywhere. The season Alabama had last year, a lot of programs in this league would, would kill for a season like that to go 11 and 2. And be the Sugar Bowl champion. So if you want to say Kirby's a great coach. Kirby's done a lot of things. And Georgia right now is on top. I think that's fair. But to sit there and say Kirby Smart's a better coach than Nick Saban. Are you kidding me? That's not true. It just isn't true. And as far as turnovers, Alabama's really knock on wood. They've gotten that under control the last several weeks. Alabama's not been turnover prone in a while. And the coaching job that Nick Saban has done this year, I think is up there with some of the top coaching jobs that he's done. So if you're slipping, why aren't you eight and four or nine and three? Like a lot of people said you would be after the loss to Texas 
instead of 11 and 1 and 8 and 0 in the SEC. That's not slipping to me. And David Pogg says people are going to say that because I went to Georgia. You're right they're going to say that because you went to Georgia. Because you did go to Georgia. And you have been needling Alabama for some time, including last year on the ESPN set right in front of Nick Saban. And you can say, I just give my opinion and all that. But your opinion is colored with red and black. And that's fine. But people don't have to agree with you either. I don't agree with you. I don't think Kirby Smart's a better coach than Nick Saban. Are you kidding me? A guy that's done it for 25 years versus a guy who's done it for, what, six? And it's an amazing start that Kirby Smart is off to. But Nick Saban is still winning. He's won six national championships at Alabama, eight SEC titles. He won a national championship and two SEC titles at LSU. Kirby's not there yet. And I and, and I I'll still feel the same way even if Georgia wins on Saturday. Now that's David Pollock's opinion. He has a right to it. And he certainly doesn't have a problem voicing it. But I just don't when you're talking about a guy like Nick Saban and you just matter of factly just sit there and say, Kirby Smart's a better coach than Nick Saban. And you can't tell me that that's not based in either I'm not on ESPN anymore and I'm trying to keep myself relevant or I'm a Georgia alum, former player. I don't think that's a 100% objective viewpoint. That's my opinion. And I could be wrong. What do you think? I would love to know what you think about David Pogg's comments. And clearly, he doesn't mind making them. And people are saying, don't poke the bear. Well, he's poking the bear, and he's doing it on purpose. He honestly, I do think I do think this, he believes Georgia's going to win that game. He's pretty confident Georgia's going to win that game because he knows if Georgia does not win that game, what's going to be in store for him next week. He knows that. He's a smart guy. I've had him on this show. I've interviewed David Pollock before on this program. He's a very sharp guy. He's very measured. He knows exactly what he's saying. So he feels confident that Georgia's going to win the game because he knows if Georgia doesn't, what he's going to have to deal with. And maybe he honestly believes Kirby Smart's a better coach than Nick Saban. I don't know how objectively, if you're looking at Nick Saban's resume, that you would say anybody in college football right now is a better coach than Nick Saban. If you want to say that Kirby Smart's on that level, I don't have a problem with that. If you want to say that Kirby Smart has accomplished more Early in his career, the Nick Saban has accomplished early in his career. I don't have a problem with that. But to flat out just say Kirby Smart is a better coach than Alabama, than Nick Saban. Alabama's not disciplined. Alabama, basically, he just trashed the program. I, I, is he talking about a program that's 6-6 six and six or 11-1 and one and 8-0 and oh in the SEC? And is in Atlanta, fending off a lot of different teams to get there just like Georgia did. I tell you this, all I can say is, if this is the drop-off, if you're at Alabama's level and a drop-off is going 11-2 and two one year and then 11-1 and one and playing for the SEC championship the next year, I'll take that drop-off. Yeah, Georgia's on a roll. They still got to play Alabama. 
And even though I'm picking Georgia to win the game, I certainly think Alabama's capable of winning it. And I don't want to take anything away from what Georgia has accomplished. But that is a bold statement that David Pollock made. And it is a confident and arrogant statement. Because he's basically telling you, I think Georgia's going to win the game. And I, there's no doubt in my mind about it. And I just don't know how you could watch Alabama and its history against the Georgia Bulldogs under Nick Saban and be that cocksure that your team is going to win. So there you go. All right, phone lines are jamming. We're going to get to them in just a moment. I'm Gary Harris. We got Noah Haynes. Uh, let me go ahead and tell you this hour of the Gary Harris Show is being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Member owned and not for profit. It really is just a better way of banking. I encourage you to visit alabamacu.com to learn more. That's alabamacu.com. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, here's the lineup for today at 9.30. It's the coach, Ellis Johnson. He's going to break down the SEC championship game in full detail, as well as look back at the Iron Bowl. 10 o'clock, the Falcons report with D. Orlando Ledbetter. And then at 10.30, my pal Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340 and host of The Zone. Your phone calls are lined up. When we come back on the other side, we're going to get to them. We've got uh, Ward in South Carolina. We've got Tom and we got Cole. You guys stay on hold because when we come back on the other side, it's going to be all phone calls in the next segment. Let me know what you think about David Pollock's comments and um, also... Anything else that's on your mind, we want to hear from you. The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC, the Tide 109 app, and Tide109.com. We're back after this. This season of Alabama football brought to you by Pearl River Resort, Choctaw, Mississippi. Your destination for casino thrills, family fun, and live entertainment. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's daily update on Bama Sports, and it's brought to you by CBNS Bank. Bank anywhere, at any time, with CBNS Bank's digital solutions. Managing your finances has never been so easy. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. On Thursday's edition of Crimson Drive, driven by NASCAR, we'll be joined by Alabama quarterback Jalen Milrow. It was all about repetition, repetition, repetition. And it came through every single week repping that play. Um, no, we didn't know when it was actually going to take place, but um, it was all about repetition. Um, and I got to credit the guys on offense. You know, we, it was really well executed, and it came from the guys up front being sound and disciplined um, with their assignment, which was taking the, uh, taking care of the guys up front. Um, and then, you know, the guys that went and did their route pattern um, successfully, um, you know, taking care of it. So I think that was it, was, it was a lot of pieces that allowed us to be successful in that play. And you can't credit one person. You know, it was all 11 guys that um, allowed that play to happen. I'll have more in a moment. CBNS Bank has a long history of stability and a legacy of serving our community's needs for generations. You can say we know a thing or two about tradition. We've been family, community, and financially strong since we began in 1906. Being a team player is part of our culture. That's why at CBNS Bank, we're proud to sponsor the University of Alabama Athletics and prouder to take the field or court with you. Visit CBSBank.com today. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. 
Join us tonight for our SEC Championship Game Preview Show, presented by Alpha Insurance at Baumhauer's Victory Grill at 6.30. Eli Gold and Coach Saban will break down this upcoming matchup with Alabama against Georgia. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by CBNS Bank. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Hi, Barry Buckner for Tuscaloosa Honda. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny today, the high for this afternoon around 61. Becoming cloudy tonight with rain moving in, the low 47. Tomorrow and Saturday, cloudy, rain likely both days, maybe a few thunderstorms as well. Highs between 65 and 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 39 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. All right, 9.15. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Reminder, tomorrow's Bama football trivia. And uh, courtesy of T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery, University of Illinois. Noah, you know what I'm giving away tomorrow? You're never going to guess. Tell me. Isaiah Bond, the star of the Iron Bowl. You know, we've given away, already given away an Isaiah Bond football. We're, tomorrow we're going to give away his, a pair of his gloves. The ones he Game used to catch worn gloves. Ball. Not the ones he made the catch oh. in, but signed by him. A pair of game worn wow. gloves by Isaiah Bond, signed by a Isaiah on the glove. And it's, uh, Picked him up this week, and uh, thanks uh, to T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery University Mall. Get by and see Tom and the folks there. But uh, got and and for people that I've you know I've had some people say, well, you share all this stuff signed. Yeah, I got a picture of Isaiah signing the gloves. How about Woo! that? I'll put that on social media too. Put that in your pipe and smoke it for anybody out there that says that this stuff is not uh, genuinely hand signed uh, because it is. All right, so we're going to do that tomorrow. Right now, we're going to jump out and take phone calls. We're going to get to Warren in South Carolina. Then Tom, then Cole. Hey, good morning, Warren. Hey, how you doing, uh, Gary? How's everything going? It's going very well. Good to hear from you again. Hey, uh, look, um, um, yeah, I have a problem with Pallet too. Uh, I heard about the comment. Um, this is this is really uh, typical of this guy. Um, you know, he sounds like the jaded girlfriend. Um, he is he is um, uh, always popping off at the mouth. Um, his comment is, uh, it's, it's not honorable to, uh, Nick Saban. Uh, everybody recognized him as the greatest coach of all time in, in any sport. Um, Pilot is, um, um, I think what's more disturbing to me is the, the podcast. He, he has a right, he has a right to say what he wants to say, but probably what's more discouraging is the guys that sit around him that allow him to say what he wants to say. And no one and no one pushes back and says, "Hey, come on, man, are you really saying this?" I mean, so and, and it's also it's also um, um, a part of this whole narrative about uh, Alabama and even um, uh, Georgia and even the SEC. Uh, it's also part of this whole narrative about uh, Southeastern Conference football and the twelve game playoff system. I know you know I know you're not uh, talking about that this morning. I don't know if you get into it at all, but it's also about this. Uh, locking Alabama down at the eighth spot and not moving them at all and jumping Oregon up and Oregon only has one significant play. And oh, by the way, while I'm at it, uh, I got Alabama winning the game, winning the game by three. They'll beat, they'll beat Georgia in Georgia by three Saturday night. 
Warren, to address your point on Pollock, I agree with you. I think that was a shot at Nick Saban. I think that's the way he meant it. I I don't think that was meant to compliment as uh, Kirby Smart as much as it was. Just like last year when he was still at ESPN and Nick Saban was on the set and he was a little bit, I thought, rude then and disrespectful in how he handled the fact that Georgia was the national champion. I think it's, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, you've, you've beaten Georgia down so many times. Now that we're on top, I'm going to give you the business. And, uh, again, that's just my opinion, but I think he meant it. I think he meant it as a shot. I think he knew how it would be perceived, and he said it with a, a little bit of malice. Uh, as far as the yeah. uh, as the playoff rankings, I do think, and I've said this on the show, Warren. I think there are there are some that don't want to see Alabama in this playoff, regardless of what happens on Saturday. They're hoping Alabama loses to Georgia, so they don't have to sure. be able to have to deal with it. I do think that Bama fatigue is real, and I, I sense it. You know, um, I agree. Uh, every week, uh, even though Georgia right now is on top and have won twenty nine games in a row, and there are two team two time yeah. defending national champion, and really right now are a bigger threat to other teams in the conference than Alabama. I think most of the other team fan bases are going to be pulling for Georgia in the game uh, because there's just so much built in uh, animosity toward Alabama because Alabama's been doing it. F- for years and years and years and years, and people get tired but, of taking those L's, yeah. and they want to see they want to see Alabama lose to Georgia. I think if I were a, a team of a fan of another team, I'd probably be pulling for Alabama simply because I wouldn't want to see Georgia win three in a row. But I don't get the feeling that's I, the case with most of I, these fan bases. Yeah, I I would I would agree, but I also would offer this: everyone is in love with the twelve game twelve game playoff schedule. I'm not. I'm not. Alabama last year not get look. I'm a I'm a I'm a huge Alabama fan. I'm not going to make any pretenses. Al, Alabama didn't do what we need to do to win to get in. I cried a little bit, but I had to get over it. Okay, we lost. I had to get over it. It hurts, right? The best is at the top. You win, you get in. That's it for me. It's always been my life. Well, I'm not a fan of the 12 team either. I I would like to see eight teams, but I think 12 having 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 buys and 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 first round games and all that. Not a fan. Yeah, yeah. So now that's if we had to do it, that's me. Eight games, but but 12. Let's it's like give everyone a trophy. It diminishes the regular season. Long story. Okay, I'll cut to the quick. Yes. that was a that was a terrible shot at Coach Saban, a, ter- a terrible shot at a great program, and a ter- and, and in a backhand way, and he doesn't even recognize what he did in a backhand way, a terrible shot to what Kirby Smart is doing at Georgia, terrible. So he doesn't know what he's doing, and that's why he's doing what he's doing right now. It's, he's just he's just young and foolish. So appreciate the show, Gary. Thanks. Thank you, Warren. Alabama by three, Saturday. Gotcha. Bama you. by three. Thank day. you, Warren. Let's get to Tom here in uh, West Alabama over there in the beautiful uh, Aliceville community. Good morning, Tom. Hey, good morning, Gary. Thank you. Hey, Warren, I, I got to say to you, brother, that was a great phone call. It represents my sentiment all the way to this point right here. You know, uh, the thing about media people is they don't hold each other accountable. Uh, it's like Warren said, you know, they just sit there and gobble it up. You surround yourself with like-minded people, and uh, and then one spews, and the other just smile and nod, and then they gobble it up. No pushback, no no quest for the truth, and, and that's what media has become. And uh, 
And, you know, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to stand up to the giants. I'm going to show people I'm not afraid. I'll make accusations, and uh, I'll be rude and, 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 and everything. Well, I lost my job because I was, you idiot. And uh, But here's the thing. They say, and this has been the trend for several years, they will say things that they hope comes true. They try to uh, redo history. Uh, we don't like how it's went. We don't like that Coach David is the greatest. We wanted Vince Dooley to be the greatest. So now we've got to come up with some kind of narrative that we made up so we can satisfy our own stupidity. I mean, Paula, listen. I sent him a message this morning. I said, can anybody be this stupid? Can anybody be this stupid? You're comparing Kirby to Coach uh, Saban. Coach Saban's been coaching in the West, which everybody says is a more difficult division. You're comparing somebody that's been wallowing around in mediocrity uh, division, and now you want to make him greater than Coach Saban? What's wrong with you? Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Tom. All right, let's keep it uh, rolling here with uh, Cole. Hey, good morning, Cole. Good morning. Hey, look what Clayton has done with Jalen Milrow this year. He made him out of he, he he made him out of something. We didn't we didn't know about him beginning of the year, and look what he's done with with, with Milrow. I guarantee you, Kirby Smart couldn't touch Milrow like Saban has. Well, I think he's done a really good job this year. I think Nick yeah. Saban's done a great job. And, and listen, I have no problem with saying Kirby Smart's a great coach. Uh, but a little bit like Warren and Tom, to sit there and say after five or six years or six, seven years, whatever he's been coaching, that he's already surpassed Nick Saban, that's not accurate. That's not, that's not, that's not but correct. But look what he's done with Milbro. Do you think Kirby Smart? Could, could do what Milrose. You know, I don't know. I mean, Kirby could, Smart, could took, took he took Stetson Bennett, a quarterback that a lot of people said couldn't do it and, and did. I think Kirby's a great coach. I have no problem with saying Kirby's a great coach. I just think to make it that personal and to just come out and say point blank, uh, I don't have any problem saying that, that, uh, Nick Saban, uh, Kirby Smart's a better coach than Nick Saban. That, that's, 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 that's not. He did that for a reason, and it was to needle Alabama and to poke the yeah. bear, and he did it. And if uh, if uh, if Georgia wins the game, he'll be out there on social media next week taking I, a victory lap. Uh, but I, I just want to see Milrow even have a better game Saturday with what this uh, Pollock said. Now the well, I hope this that, fires um, up everybody. I hope that Jalen has a huge game. In the oh game. yeah, I hope what, he's gonna blow out what, everybody. That's what Alabama needs. They need him to play great yeah. in the game to have a chance. We to win. need a. We, we need a blowout anyway so we can even get in the fight. Even if we do barely win Saturday, I don't think it's enough. We, we have to win by four-plus touchdowns to, to get in the playoffs this weekend since we didn't blow out over like, like, like we were supposed to. Well, I don't know about that. We'll see. I'm gonna well, let's let it all play to, out. First of all, we, just we uh, I think I think just winning the game against Georgia is all you're wanting to do. Whether you I don't win. know, but that, we need more than this. We, we don't need a close game. That's what I'm saying. If we don't win by like if we win by like seven or ten points, I don't think that's enough to get to to to, to get in though. We, well, we need at least three or four touchdowns easily to even know that we're in the top four spot easily. Well, we'll see. We'll see, Cole. I don't know. I don't I don't think the amount of margin of victory is important when you play a team that's won 29 in a row is the two-time defending national champion it hasn't lost since you beat them uh, two years ago in the SEC championship I just game. wanted to be safe and sorry. I still want to but I just, Well, I'd love to, to see Alabama go there and blitz them too. Yeah. I don't know that that's yeah. practical, but uh, but we'll, we'll just, you know, just win the game and be the SEC yeah. champion and live with whatever happens. We hey. can. We can, yeah. All right, Cole. Great to hear from you, buddy. All right. You, you 
you good. Roll Tide. All right, man. Good to hear from the the phone callers there. Some good good opinions and and uh, you know I ran the clip with Pollock on TV last night too. When I saw it yesterday afternoon, somebody sent it to me. Or it might have even been yesterday morning, late yesterday morning. I was. Uh, and sometime after my show here, but I got it and I was like, wow, man, alive. That's pretty, pretty bold right there. So wanted to, uh, wanted to play it. All right. It's a uh, nine here on the Gary Harris show. And, um, want to remind you that the YMCA has that brand new state of the art cardio equipment. I was in yesterday using it. It is absolutely phenomenal. New, uh, fitness bikes, new stair climbers. New treadmills, unbelievable. Man, I just, it's its a pleasure to work out on that equipment. Try it out. You've still got a couple of days through December the 2nd for the YMCA Community Open Doors Wellness Week. Free to the community all week. All you have to do is go by, check in there at the front desk, and go work out. And try the Y out for free. You can do it today, you can do it tomorrow, and you can do it on Saturday. Three days left for the YMCA Community Open Doors Wellness Week. Get by and check it out. 2313th Street, downtown Tuscaloosa. Or we'll be back with the coach, Ellis Johnson, to dive into the SEC Championship game and the Iron Bowl. Next, right here on the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Alabama, Georgia. 10, 5, touchdown, Alabama. It's the SEC Championship live from Atlanta, Georgia. Let's get out of here again. Alabama wins it. Cheer on the Tide this Saturday as the Crimson Tide look to get revenge on the Bulldogs. Our coverage starts at noon from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. On your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Catch every game and every moment right here. This is your home of Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. It's time for the coach, Ellis Johnson, to break it all down for us. Uh, we're going to look ahead, of course, to the SEC championship game on Saturday in Atlanta. But we're going to start by recapping a wild rivalry weekend. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning, Gary. Doing fine. Have a good Thanksgiving? Pretty good. good. Ain't too much like everybody else. Yeah, I, think that's a common, I think that's a common trait for everybody. All right, let's start out with the, the Iron Bowl. And you've been a part of, we talked about it last week, you've been a part of a lot of them on both sides, including the kick six. And, uh, you know, sports is true reality television. You always think with a, you know, 
I've seen it all, and you've never seen it all in sports. And i got to be honest with you, Coach, maybe you've seen something like this. I've never seen a fourth and goal at 31, uh, at the 31-yard line to win the game and somebody convert it. I, I just, I'm still just uh, blown away by uh, the execution Alabama had on that play. And, uh, you know, to have to make that play to win the game uh, just was was phenomenal. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, I think it was a terrible defensive call. And on top of Auburn playing real good defense this year, I hate to be critical. But the worst thing you can do on a Hail Mary situation is not put pressure on quarterback. Everybody gets worried, puts 19 people back there on the end zone. When the ball goes up like that, the offense has an advantage because they work on passing and receiving more than defensive backs. And so, you know, a lot of that came from Coach Spurry. I, I had four or five calls in that situation I kept in my back pocket. He said, just look, big thing, just get some pressure on the quarterback. So, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from him because Alabama obviously executed the play exactly the way they meant to. And they were prepared for the situation. So, you know, that you got to tip your hat to them too and, and say it was a great, a great performance in a pressure situation, but I just couldn't believe uh, Auburn gave him a shot at. No, I'm I'm with you, and uh, uh, it was it was wild. And and it, but because Alabama wound up winning the game, it's easy to forget that they had first and goal on the eight yard line, and wound up with fourth and goal on the thirty one. I mean, that was that was not how you wanted to execute up until that point. Um, but, you know, in fairness, the, the atmosphere down there was crazy. And, and I don't know, you know, Seth McLaughlin, that's something that they've had issues with this year. And he snapped that football before Milrow was ready. And uh, there was some talk about maybe Auburn mimicking the snap count with the clap or whatever. I don't know what happened. But uh, I, I, w- I do want to ask you about the, the if you can remember, the third down play. And this was something that, as good as Jalen's played, um, there seems like there's yards to be had that he doesn't always take. On on the third and 26, after the snap, he rolls to his left. He's got a lot of green grass in front of him. I don't know if we would have gotten, the, you know, um, the touchdown or not, but he would put him in position, and uh, he decided to throw the ball. He stepped over the line. They got a five-yard penalty. Is that the one area, uh, as well as he's playing, that he needs to be better at when with his with his wheels and his strength? When he's got that green in front of him, does he need to take it, pull it down, and take it more often? Is he running enough? Well, he, he's won quite a few. And I mean, I haven't watched every game, every play of, of Alabama this year, but I've seen some 30 and 40 yard runs by him, uh, on pass plays. And so I don't think he's afraid to do it. I think probably they have coached him about not doing it too much. You know, you like a guy like Lamar Jackson in the pros, for example, the development of him to be patient in the pocket has been one of the biggest improvements he can make because he's going to slow down over time. And he better be a better passer. But in his case, I mean, I've seen him make these 20 and 30 yard scrambles. I don't think he's afraid to do it. He probably just kind of lost track of where he was. You know, he thought he was behind the line and when he threw the thing and he wasn't. He could have gotten a bunch of yardage, but now the clock was not their friend right then either. So mm-hmm. he, he may have been concerned about running it, taking too much time off the clock. I don't know. All right, coming out of a game like that in, in Georgia, held some people out. Um, they got past the Georgia Tech in Atlanta 31-23. But for Alabama, you're coming out of an emotional, emotional game. you got to flip the page, flip the script, get ready for a team that's won 29 in a row, back-to-back national champions. And if you're Georgia, uh, you held some guys out. Uh, but 
you also watched your defense have trouble containing Haynes King, who's a good runner. He's not the caliber of runner that, that Jalen Milrow uh, is. So um, this matchup coming up Saturday afternoon, who do you favor? I, I, I kind of favor Georgia, but I do think it's a game that you can't call. I mean, it just it, there's no telling what will happen in it. Uh, Georgia's been so kind of slow to start, but steady and improving. And they seem to each game be that way, but they've been that way during the season, too. And, of course, they didn't play a very hard schedule early. But they, they even it's about their fourth ball game, they struggled with South Carolina for a while, and they didn't even have a winning record. But they have, have kind of grown and grown and gotten stronger, in my opinion, and they're more consistent and a little bit more uh, predictable, I guess you'd say, in their performance than Alabama. But Alabama can be so explosive. And I, I think if they have some explosive plays early in the game, sort of get it tilted the way they want to play it, uh, they can easily beat Georgia. Coach Ellis Johnson with us. If Alabama does beat Georgia, they're number eight still in the college football playoff. What a what a unique year in the final year of the four-team playoff that we had this log jam. If Alabama beats Georgia, do they get in the college football playoff, in your opinion? Well, if they don't, it's an absolute crime. Uh, and of course, I'm partial. Yeah, but me too. I mean, they've got one loss to Texas way back in almost the beginning of the season. And it, and I just don't see how they don't see Alabama as one of the best football teams in the country if they beat Georgia, who is absolutely one of the best teams in the country. I think the question is going to be is, you know, who's going to get left out? And there are a bunch of scenarios. We don't have time to even think about all that could happen, but it's very, very possible, very possible that you could have an undefeated Michigan team and six more teams with one loss who have an argument to get in that in that foursome. And uh, I, I don't think Florida State can survive it, obviously, if they lose a the game. But if they're undefeated and Michigan's undefeated, I guess they get in. Then you only got two spots, and you could easily have four four other teams, one loss, and mm-hmm. one of them's a conference. Two, two of them, excuse me, are conference. Well, three of them. Three of them are conference champions. So... I don't know what happens. I've been playing with it. I'm sure everybody in the sports world has been figuring this, what is this, what is this. So I don't know what to think about it. You know, it's just, but I, I can't, I don't know how anybody can watch football and not think they're one of the best football teams in the country. I think they're ranked too low right now, frankly. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, that, it is what it is. And I, they may have to have some help in addition to beating Georgia. I'll jump pig- up to number four. Yeah, I'll piggyback on everything you said. If Alabama is able to win that game, go twelve and one, nine and zero in the league, beat the two-time defending national champions on a twenty-nine game win streak, and don't get in the playoff, it's a farce. But <laughs> first of all, they gotta they gotta take care of business, and find a way to win that game. Uh, Coach, I want to look back at some other games from last weekend because there were some really um, important games that 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 played out. Um, and also get your reaction. I wasn't going to ask you about this game, but because of what's unfolded, uh, you know, Arkansas brings Sam Pittman back. Your check makes the announcement and they go out and get drubbed at home 48-14 by Missouri. And now Bob Petrino, who I thought would never, ever sniff the Arkansas campus, is coming back to be the offensive coordinator. Again, never say never in sports, but this is a, this is a weird, uh, set of circumstances that are playing out there in Fayetteville. What do you make of all of this? Well, obviously, I think Bobby Petrino is a football He is. And I think to hire him is not unusual. To hire him at Arkansas, it is unusual. And because of the, the situation that caused the, the, the firing and all that, uh, you know, I, 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's their problem or not. This will be the third coordinator in about a month. And I, I don't know what that's all. The biggest thing about Arkansas is they were kind of a one-man band. If K.J. Jefferson couldn't run and throw, they probably weren't going to win a ball game. I thought defensively they were pretty solid most of the year, but the last couple of games they, they really slid a little bit defensively too. And they just had too much pressure on them because offense couldn't function. But uh, you get 98 yards passing in a Power 5 college football game, it, you know, it's just not normal. It's not realistic. But with Jefferson out, I think he got hurt in the first quarter. They just they might they don't have an offense, and, and he, of course he won't be back. So I don't know what's planned there. Yeah, it's 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 very 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 strange. Uh, all right, Florida and Florida State. Florida's dominating the game. They're up ten to nothing. They get a safety. It's twelve to nothing. They get the ball close to midfield. Um, and I don't know what Billy Napier was thinking. That's why I want to ask you. You know, you run some. You know, I drew it up in the backyard and in, in in the dirt play, double reverse pass or whatever it was. You wind up punting. You got a defensive lineman for you spits in the other guy's face, 15-yard penalty, which is ridiculous. And then Florida State goes 90 yards and winds up scoring right before the half, and it's a different game. Um, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm underwhelmed by the job Billy Napier has done with Florida this year, Coach. i got to be honest with you. And in that game at home, a chance to really make a statement. You're playing well, and I just thought that last sequence there in the in the second quarter wind up costing them the ball game. They lose 24-15. I couldn't argue. I mean, couldn't argue with that. I think it was a bad situation. Of course, they had 30 minutes to fix that. But 13 first downs and uh, 86 yards passing. Of course, both both teams back quarterbacks, quarterbacks gone. Mm-hmm. I think uh, so. You had two backup quarterbacks fighting each other and two hundred something yards offense both teams. So something of the description that you just did was going to make a huge difference in that game. And you go down and there's the minus one in turnovers. And uh, of course, other incidents like you described, you can't have that in a ball game. You're not going to be able to score thirty five, forty points. And uh, you know, I, I think he's recruiting well. I think, you know, apparently he's got control of the locker room. I hope Emerson is on the field like you described and not going on daily. But, uh, you know, I don't think they have a, a choice right now but to kind of steady the ship and, and stick with him. And if he recruits well and gets, you know, gets the roster a little deeper, uh, it can be, you know, he can, can bring it back. But I agree with you. It's been an under, underwhelming at best so far. Kentucky and Louisville, uh, and, and this is another weird scenario. It looked like Mark Stoops was going to wind up being the new coach at Texas A&M. It didn't happen, but boy, he went into Louisville, Kentucky after a year where uh, they had high expectations in Lexington. They had an okay season. They didn't have the season they hoped for, but what a statement win for the Wildcats against a team that was uh, you know 10-1 and one playing at home. I agree. I, I I really thought Louisville would win this game. I've kind of kept an eye on them a little bit along the way, quietly sneaking up through the ACC and making the playoff. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of outgained them. Probably beat them in a lot of different stats. Uh, but in the long run, I think turnovers got them and, and caused, caused the issue. They're minus two in turnovers. And, uh, you know, it, it, I don't think it was a terrible loss for Louisville. They weren't going anywhere. They already had their ACC playoff game locked up, but I would like to see them play a little bit better. I think they're very capable of beating Florida State without their quarterback next week. And, uh, of course, that would 
be one of the situations we were just talking about earlier that could throw, uh, you know, a crazy scenario into the playoffs. But I, that was a strong finish to Mark and them, and I think they probably won you know, a couple point underdogs playing on the road. And so it was, it was a big win for them to finish up that way. Coach Ellis Johnson with us. Um, Texas A&M goes to LSU, plays a good game, gets beat 42-30. to 30. And uh, as I mentioned, they zeroed in on Mark Stoops, and they wind up hiring Mike Elko, their former defensive coordinator, who did a nice job at uh, at Duke the last couple of years. Actually, coached for Jimbo, as I said, is in in College Station. Uh, what do you think of the way Texas A&M season played out, and what do you think of the hire of of uh, of Mike Elko? Uh, we don't have an hour to get into what went on at Texas A&M over the last twelve months. You know. I, I still think Jimbo is one of the best football coaches I've had, you know, any kind of encounter with. I think he brought in one of the best offensive coordinators I've ever had to coach against. I just can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. He had top 10 recruiting classes and, and so forth. It just seemed like there was never any consistency, the kind of turmoil underneath all the time, both the players and the staff. Uh, but, you know, I, I always kind of felt like Elko was going to be the higher down there. And I, I didn't keep up with it. You probably have the sources I don't have, but I thought he was going to be the guy all along. But, uh, you know, when I heard things about Stoops, that would have made sense. But, uh, I, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I, I've got a lot of respect for Elko. I've never known him, never coached against him, but the job he did at Duke is phenomenal. And, uh, if he can get that kind of attitude turned around in Texas A&M and then put the recruiting classes on top of it, I think it was a great hire. The Egg Bowl uh, was another one of those games. Ole Miss won it. Mississippi State had their opportunities in that game, man. Will Rogers had some some throws that he didn't make. I know Mississippi State was physical in the game, but Lane and, and company got it done. And you know, ten and two for the Rebels. Their only two losses being to Georgia and Alabama. And for Mississippi State, here we go transitioning again out of the Egg Bowl with Jeff Levy, uh, Oklahoma offensive coordinator, been the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. So Mississippi State, uh, they're going to try to hit the reset button again with, with Jeff Levy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's the solution, but uh, certainly they needed to make a change, kind of get things going the other way. I, I think on the other side, you know, Ole Miss, it, it'd be an argument over whether uh, Missouri or Ole Miss was the third best team in the conference. I think Alabama and Georgia, obviously the two best teams. And, uh, you know, we got five teams in the SEC not going to bowl games this year. It's pretty unusual. But uh, I think I think Georgia and Alabama's strength kind of overshadowed Ole Miss and Missouri. They have two really good football teams. Had great years this year. Let's get to uh, uh, the Clemson South Carolina game. That's one that's close to you, and uh, you know. Um, Gamecocks hosted it, and again, another very competitive game. I mean, uh, but Clemson, Dabo needed this one because of the way that it's gone for them uh, after losing to South Carolina last year at home. They get the road win. It's been a tough year for the Gamecocks. You know both of these programs very, very well. Um, it was kind of a I, – I tried to keep up with it and track it a little bit. It was kind of a, a boring football game. But uh, I guess if you're Dabo Sweeney, uh, you'll take it, and if you're – Shane Beamer, I guess you just try and now Rattler, and we know is going to the draft. I guess you just try to, you know, put this one behind you and and um, you know build for the future. What what do you see from these two programs going forward? Yeah, and on top of that, that came out this morning that 
kid, Juice Wells, who was the other really good wide receiver they had uh, coming back, is, is decided to go in the portal. Oh, I hope, Lord. I hope that's not correct, but I think I think it came out of their own news thing. So, I know South Carolina, Gary, they beat a 1AA team. They beat two teams with losing records in the SEC, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. They beat a group of five team that took them the last series of the game, beat Jacksonville State. Uh, they did play a, a good game against a solid football team and beat Kentucky at home near the end. Uh, Clemson was probably two or three touchdowns better than Carolina. Uh, and, and I just, I think that will reach the point where he just took the ball out of the offensive hands. It had too many nightmare scenarios this year. And he felt like they could run the ball on him. The defense played extremely well. And, uh, I mean, South Carolina didn't get 200 yards of offense. And this is why Clemson is not scoring an offensive touchdown. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It was, a, it was a crazy ball game. But one of the biggest factors that South Carolina Stadium is a very hard place to play at night, especially. And when they came in, turned the ball over on their first play and then turned it over again on their third play, the crowd was just about done. And, and that was a big factor because it, they, it couldn't force Clemson into any mistakes, pre snap penalties and that type of thing. Clemson's got a lot of work to do on their offense. Got to learn, uh, got to get the quarterback better, and, uh, maybe improving that system. I don't know if it fits the talent level. They got to get some wide outs and, and get over the top. Uh, South Carolina's got a totally building job over again. Rattler's leaving. Uh, they'll be starting a brand new quarterback. They don't have any running backs. Uh, offensive line, they've got some good players. They just stayed just constantly riddled with injuries in that area, but uh, they've got a long way to go. And here comes Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. To add on to it. It is going to get something. All right, before we wrap this thing up, and I do want to have you on again next week uh, to recap the SEC championship game and some of these conference championship games, but you coached in so many of these rivalry games, uh, you know, whether it be Alabama-Auburn, whether it be uh, South Carolina-Clemson, Mississippi State, uh, Ole Miss, it goes on and on and on. You know what they mean to the people uh, that, you know, follow those institutions. It's so weird. You know, everything you do in a college football program is is geared toward trying to build success, recruiting, culture, you know, getting everybody aligned. And you can have a good season. These rivalry games, though, carry so much weight. And, you know, it's almost like you do all that. But if you don't win that game, the, the, your rivalry game, it's almost like <laughs> no matter how much success you've enjoyed, it, it's a damper. And when you win it, uh, cause you only get to do it one day a year. I, I, I just, am I overstating this? You've been a part of it. I just don't think you can overstate how important rivalry games are to the fan base, to, to the coaching staff, to the schools. And you only get one day a year to do it. No matter how good you've been, if you don't win that game, it's uh, it just puts a damper on the season, Coach. It really does, and and it's a great question at this time because I think the playoffs and I think the enlargement of the playoffs and all this conference realignment, these mega conferences, is really pulling them away from rivals. And I think it's a bad thing. Yep. But in spite of the fact that it's kind of going that direction, you're right. There's still some really good ones, and and they mean a lot to the fan base and players and so forth. And, and I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing to me with all the things that they've got that they're shooting for after the season that the rivalry games still hold the importance that they do. And, and I hate to see some of them, you know, go away. 
not get into all of them, like the Oklahoma, Oklahoma State situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the SEC rivalries now are going to be probably lessened. I don't know how they're going to schedule all these things to keep some of these rivalries together. But uh, the main ones, I hope they don't ever go away because I think you're exactly right. It, there's an, an intensity about it on both sides, you know, that it's like you, it's like half of your season. It really is. It's a... Uh... It's just different. All right, Coach, uh, in closing, you already said you're favoring Georgia, but go ahead and uh, I wanted to save this for last and and uh, tell me who you think is going to win that game and score prediction for Saturday. Well, I couldn't predict the score, okay. but I'll, I'll say this. I, instead of trying to predict a winner, I think Georgia's a little bit more consistent, had a little bit better track run the whole way. But, you know, there, the two things kind of jumped out at me. Uh, Georgia is the number of penalties. And then they're in turnover ratio. They're, they're not awesome in those areas. Alabama's a little better. Other statistics and everything, offense, defense, all that, they're pretty similar, Georgia being a little bit better. But I think the thing to watch is whether either, either team can create some takeaways on the other team and take care of the ball. I, I just think penalties, the kill drives, and take away big runs or big points and tur- turnovers it's going to be a huge part of it. I think it's going to be that close. Wow. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there. All right, Coach, thank you. And, uh, again, we'll talk uh, again next Thursday. Look forward to it, Gary. All right, Coach Ellis Johnson, breaking it all down. It's 9.53. We'll break away. We'll come back and wrap up hour number one. You keep it dialed in right here to Ty 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Coming up, Coming up on The Game with Ryan Fowler. Coming up on the Thursday edition of The Game, we'll feature Watney or TiderInsider.com. Bruce Marshall will break down the Alabama-Georgia game from a handicapper position. Brad Powers will join us. Coming up, starting at 2 o'clock here on The Game on Tide 100.9-1230 WTBC. Your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The Game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tide. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny today. The high for this afternoon around 61. Becoming cloudy tonight with rain moving in below 47. Tomorrow and Saturday, cloudy rain likely both days. Maybe a few thunderstorms as well. Highs between 65 and 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 39 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, a quick wrap here for hour number one. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Hour number two is coming up. We'll kick it off with D. Orlando Ledbetter with the Falcons report. The Gary Harris Show, halfway home, right here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM, WTBC.
WPBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Kevin Wire. NBA action last night as the Nuggets beat the Rockets 134-124 behind yet another triple-double from Nikola Jokic. The Joker had 32 points, 15 assists, and 10 rebounds as Denver is now a perfect 9-0 at home. Houston winless 0-7 on the road. Lakers beat the Pistons 133-107 as Detroit has now lost a franchise record 15 games in a row. College hoops action, number 17, North Carolina, taking down number 10, Tennessee, 192 in the battle of ranked teams. Three ranked teams losing to unranked ones last night. Number 7, Duke, losing to Arkansas, 80-75. to Number 14, Texas A&M, upended by Virginia, 59-47. And number 18, Villanova, falling at home to St. Joseph, 78-65. to Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news, only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. With the development of a new youth sports complex in Northport, the annual Kentuck Arts Festival is looking for a new site for their nationally recognized event. The 7th Annual Toys for Tots Unique Custom Car, Truck, and Bike Show set for Saturday 9 to 2 behind University Mall. Admission will be $20 or a new unwrapped toy of equal value. The Anti-Defamation League blasting Alabama's Democratic Party for an ad that likens Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville to Adolf Hitler. The league claims the ad trivializes the Holocaust for political purposes. For the latest local news in Tuscaloosa. Alabama sports updates. And severe weather information. Download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news. And sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV. Crimson Tide kickoff. Play-by-play for Alabama sports and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Here we go. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show. Gary Harris, Noah Haynes. This hour, the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Patterson Comer, attorneys at law. Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. Men of the highest standard, not just as attorneys, but high integrity gentlemen. I know them both. Uh, whenever I need legal advice, I get it from Patterson Comer. I think you should too. Feet on the ground right here in West Alabama. You can reach Paul in Tuscaloosa, 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport at 205-759-3939. Remember, at Patterson Comer, the commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right, we're going to take uh, this second hour and get it started in style with my friend D. Orlando Ledbetter, longtime Falcons beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, AJC.com. And uh, I, I'm excited because, uh, you know, somebody's going to win the NFC South. And only in the NFC South could you go into a game having lost four or five three in a row, win the game, and you're in first place. But Orlando, that's the case. The Falcons beat the Saints 24-15 on Sunday. So right now, they're uh, they're tied with the Saints, and they've got the tiebreaker in the, in the NFC South, some kind of division, right? Yeah, no question about it, Gary. Five and six, get your first place. Uh, you know, they're going through the down cycle after years of 
you know, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, uh, Lou, even Tom Brady there at the end. So uh, they're recycling and retooling. So, you know, it's a little bit down. Uh, but, yeah, somebody's got to win it in the down years. Yeah, they do. And, uh, you know, a division winner is a division winner. And the Falcons are right there now in prime position to do it. But we've seen this Falcons team before, uh, you know, have a little bit of success and fall flat on their face. They're going to try to avoid that Sunday against the Jets on the road. Uh, this is a Jets team. Uh, the offense is absolutely miserable. Aaron Rodgers is back at practice, but he's clearly not going to play in the game. And, um, you know, Jets have a really good defense, but this is a game if you're the Falcons and, and, you you know you want to win the NFC South. This is one of those winnable games that you need to get on the road. Yeah, no doubt. One of the fans uh, hit me on Twitter said, "D. Led, I've been here about as long as you have, and you know they're getting ready to blow this game <laughs> up there against the Jets." I'm like, "No, maybe not. Maybe not." Um, they've had problems with uh, backup quarterbacks this year. Um, you know, uh, Joshua Dobbs and then the Kyler Murray coming off the bench and Will Levis. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can't, uh, you know, mark anything as a given for them. All right, speaking of quarterbacks, Desmond Ritter's back, and, and it appears that now he's the guy going forward, doesn't it? Yes, the coach wants, like, mad for him to work out. Uh, but, you know, if he keeps the turnovers up, it's going to be an untenable situation. He had two more uh, against the Saints. Uh, one, Bijan didn't run his route right, and, uh, you know, they ain't going to throw the rookie under the bus. And then the other one was a bad throw when he should have checked it down to Drake London. He had the check down available. So he just kind of got greedy, which, you know, that happens to the best of them. But, uh, yeah, they wanted to work because, uh, you know, they want to build the rest of the team out and, and develop him into a, a quarterback. They're looking at Green Bay and Love up there and how he's coming along. You know, it's going to be some ups and downs just well if you could play through them. What's the vibe right now in Atlanta? I mean, the team is five and six, but they are tied for first with the tiebreaker. Of course, they have to play the Saints at the end of the season. Um, you're coming off a win over over your huge rival. Is there buzz? Is there excitement? It, you know, uh, you know, I didn't get to watch much of that game on television. What was the crowd like during the Saints game? Are people excited about the, this team, or is it more like we're talking about? Yeah, they, you know, they got a chance to win the division, but they're not very good. What, what what's what's the buzz from the fan base right now? Well, the buzz was pretty incredible during the Saints game. They had the um, tribute to um, the 50 years of hip-hop and uh, had all kinds of activities going on. Ludacris dropping out of the stadium roof and, uh, you know, a lot of the Atlanta-based uh, music people there. So the crowd was uh, into it, and the game got exciting when Jesse Bates uh, took that 92-yard interception back. I hadn't heard the Dome uh, be that live in quite a while. So they were up for that game. It's kind of a wait and see with the Falcons. You know, hey, can they sustain it? You know, they haven't won two in a row since the beginning. Uh, you know, if they can get on the road, the fans will come out. They're front runners. You know, they uh, when the Falcons are hot, then they're hot. But when they're not, you know, they kind of sit on their hands a little bit. This team has some weapons on offense. There's no doubt about that. I mean, they've got a, a, you know, some dynamic playmakers in the past game. Got two really good running backs. You mentioned Ritter. Is it just simply, is it, is, is it as simple as if Ritter takes care of the ball and doesn't make dumb mistakes, this team can be really good on offense? Um, I think so, uh, Gary. I think the offense, uh, you know, you're not going to 
uh, change everything midstream here. And what we've seen this year is that, hey, they can throw the ball to John New Smith. They can throw the ball to Drake London. Ritter's effective in the red zone running the ball. And Bijan can carry the load. So, uh, you know, uh, and you can give him some breaks with Algier and Patterson. So that's what they got. That's what I expect to see up here in New York. That's what they showed against the Saints. Uh, yeah, you know, run the ball. And uh, when you do throw it, um, you know, you know, try to throw it to your guys. And, and you know, if you got to run, make some plays with your feet, do that. So, uh, you know, that's what the offense is. Not going to change much after 11 games. That's what they got to roll with here down the stretch. And uh, I'm pretty sure uh, that's where Arthur Smith's going to try to go with it. And what about the defense? They held the Saints to 15 points. Uh, you know they've been they've been up and down too. Is this defense uh, rounding into form to uh, to play well enough to to get it to the finish line? Uh, I'm not so sure, Gary, because uh, they gave up 444 yards. That's a whole lot. It is, uh, and you can't depend on Jesse Bates knocking the ball out for people all the time and getting interceptions. So, you know, I would like to see them shut some people down, get some consecutive stops. Uh, they'll have an opportunity against one of the worst offenses in the league on Sunday uh, to be able to do that and build on it. But, you know, losing Grady up the middle, uh, linebackers are, you know, good but not great. Uh, so, yeah, teams are going to be able to move it on you. But, uh, uh, you know, they, I would like to see them shut it down a little bit better, but they haven't been able to do that. D. Orlando Ledbetter with us, talking Falcons uh, here on the Falcons Report. All right, Orlando, you got uh, you got six games to go. Uh, anything can happen with the Atlanta Falcons. We know that. Are they though, after beating the Saints, in your mind, uh, the favorites to to win the the, the NFC South? Uh, no, I don't think so because uh, I have you know with the the remaining schedule, you know, I only see one for sure win. The Saints have a tougher schedule. So um, let me flip-flop and say, yeah, they probably have the easier path. I know Tampa's going to fall apart with Baker Mayfield down there. Uh, you know, they'll probably get by Carolina this week. But uh, Carolina with the new coach and uh, everything, they might get the new coach bump and, and win that one. So it's going to go down to that last game, I think, down in New Orleans. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Falcons get a – you know, beat the Jets here in Carolina, then they'll have their chances against Tampa Bay and the Colts and the Bears. And that would be a heck of a lineup to roll into the playoffs with. Orlando, the the division's there to be had this year. If the Falcons, and of course, obviously nobody's going to come out of this division as a play as a wild card. If the Falcons wind up not winning the division and sit at home, uh, is Arthur Smith back next year, in your opinion? Yeah, I think so. They're committed. Uh, you know, if they finish, you know, nine and eight, uh, that's progress. That's progress. Um, they know, you know, through 12 games, this team is, and even if they go to playoffs, they got a lot of building left to do. Um, you know, it'll kind of be like the Giants last year. Yeah, they, they took advantage of the schedule, got in the playoffs, uh, won a game, and then came back this year, and some of the old problems creep back up. So, you know, the Falcons know that they're still building, but it's good to build off of winning. And if you can get to the playoffs and see what that playoff intensity is like, that gives your young players a chance to know 
hey, yeah, we got we got a ways to go here. We're trying to build a Super Bowl contending team. Uh, there's some only benefits that could come from winning football games and going to the playoffs. Overall, um, in the NFC, you've got the showdown with the with the Eagles and the Niners. I'm a little bit stunned that the 49ers are favored at Philadelphia in this game. Who do you like in that one? Yeah, I'm thinking of the 49ers. Um, uh, but, you know, it's hard to dispute what the uh, what the Eagles have been able to do this year, 2-1. So it's hard to go against especially at home. But I understand what the odds makers are saying and doing. That's the mighty fine 49ers team is getting healthier. And uh, they're going to be tough to beat in the playoffs and the regular season. And I know you follow the whole National Football League. I, I want to ask you about the Bills because they're such a mystery to me, and Josh Allen is such a mystery. Uh, they lost to the Eagles last Sunday in a game, quite frankly, that they should have won. He continues to put up numbers. Of course, he has the turnovers. But at the end of the day, um, this is an underachieving team. And and now, uh, re- regardless of their talent level, they're 6-6. Six and six. They're in danger of not making the playoffs. I mean, how in the world do you have that type of roster and you're sitting here at 6-6. Six and six. What's happened to the Bills? Well, I think the development, uh, uh, lack of development of Josh Allen when Brian Babo left, uh, Ken Dorsey might not have been the right person for that job. Uh, they clearly needed to diversify and add a rushing attack, and they haven't done that. Uh, so, you know, they, they teams are caught up to just them running around and gunslinging and throwing it to Stephon Diggs. Um, they haven't diversified the offense, and the defense has gotten weaker. So, yeah, they've fallen back to the pack, and they'll have to retool and uh, refocus to get pointed back in the right direction. All right, who are you picking Sunday in uh, New Jersey between the Jets and the Falcons? Yeah, I'm thinking the Falcons will um, you know, be able to go up there and run the ball on the Jets. They give up 140 yards a game uh, rushing, so I think that'll be uh, – uh, a problem for the Jets and the uh, Falcons should be able to, to pull this one out. You know, don't make it too complicated. We know Coach can get cute with stuff. But uh, I think he's going to, you know, stick it uh, close to the vest and run the ball and try to get out of there with a 15-9 to win. Yep, they'll take it, that's for sure. Great stuff as always. Orlando, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at D'Orlando AJC, and our website is AJC.com. Thank you, Gary. Have a great day. D'Orlando Ledbetter breaking it down. The Falcons are in first place in the NFC South. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll be open for phone calls. And um, we got to Jeff Spiegel at 1030, but phone calls in the next segment the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Hyundai. 2011 Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. 
Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. It's 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny today. The high for this afternoon around 61. Becoming cloudy tonight with rain moving in below 47. Tomorrow and Saturday, cloudy. Rain likely both days. Maybe a few thunderstorms as well. Highs between 65 and 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 48 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Ten seventeen. welcome back to the Gary Harris Show. Uh, we want to visit with one of our great sponsors here for just a moment. You know, the holidays are here and you want your home to look its best for friends, for family, for parties. And that starts with your floors, uh, whether it's carpet, hardwood, vinyl, your bathrooms, uh, whatever it may be. Houston Hydrosteam carpet and upholstery cleaning uh, can do it for you. And that includes, of course, obviously your upholstery as well. So now is the time. Get them in there. And uh, Jackie Houston joins us for a couple of minutes here to talk about what all they have to offer. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning, Gary. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. Good to have you on. We had a caller yesterday. Ground Chuck called in and said, "Hey, I want to say a word about one of your sponsors." He said, "Houston Hydrosteam, man." He said, "He said they're unbelievable." He said, "Incredible job. Don't have to worry. You don't have to be at home. You can trust their folks to do the job." And uh, I just wanted to mention that to you. So <laughs> he he was a very happy and satisfied customer, my friend. Well, man, we appreciate that so much. We appreciate all the good work about us there at the radio station and we're just happy to almost be celebrating 40 years but it just doesn't seem like it it's been that long but you know we still try to go out and we're still excited about cleaning things for people and making their uh their tile and grout look almost new and cleaning their upholstery and their carpets and you know we got that big rug shop now and we go out to people's homes and pick up their rugs and bring them in and clean them and dry them and return them to them. And uh, we just love seeing the smiles that we put on people's face, and especially here at the holidays. You know, everybody, uh, it's just a great time of the year. It's just an exciting time of the year, and, and we just love having a little uh, opportunity to make people's faces shine and their houses shine and it's just it's a great time, man, and we just love it. Well, absolutely, and you said a lot there, but now uh, is a great time before the holidays to get you folks in there and, and like you said, have your house looking its best. And uh, um, I, I know that you work 12 months out of the year, but there's, there are certain times in the year where people want to make sure their homes look good, and the holidays are that time, uh, Jackie. There's no doubt about that. Well, certainly it is. and You know, a lot of times uh, – uh, we get real busy this time of year, so we like people to go ahead if they know they want to do it to give us a call early because you never know. Uh, I mean, I get so many calls every year that says, man, we got these people coming. We had no idea they were going to show up. And, uh, you know, so just, you know, don't get caught off guard or by surprise. Just if you've got something and you know it can look better, then we're your folks and we'd be glad to come and help you. 
All right, folks, carpet and upholstery cleaning, oriental rug cleaning, residential, commercial, water damage, deodorizing, fabric protection, tile and grout cleaning, emergency services available. They'll give you a free estimate. Professionally trained technicians offering you 100% satisfaction. Appointments set around your schedule. No hidden charges or fees. Extra care and attention given to trouble areas. It's quality work you can stand on, as Jackie said, for nearly 40 years. Houston Hydrostream Carpet and Upholstery Cleaning. Jackie, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Well, uh, you know, I've got a secretary, and you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, uh, getting a voicemail or anything unless she's on the phone. Uh, it's uh, Houston Hydro State, and uh, it's area code 205, of course, 553-9460. And we would be more than happy to handle any cleaning needs. And if you just got some questions, if you, if you just got something you want to ask me about or have me come look at, why? My goodness, I'd be more than happy to come out and take a look at what you got and see what we can do for you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Gary. Y'all have a great day. Roll Tide. Absolutely. Jackie Houston, Houston Hydrosteam Carpet and Upholstery Cleaning. All right, let's uh, keep it rolling with the show now. We're going to take a phone call from my pal, the Cowboy, out there in Dallas, Texas. What's up, Cowboy? How you doing? Doing well. I was listening there to... D'Orlando, who who do you like in that Jets, Falcons game? My gosh, kind of kinda like that whole division. Somebody's got to win there. the game. I'll be honest with you, my history following the Atlanta Falcons, I think the Jets will win the game. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to pick the Jets. Hell, I, heck, Gary, I was 10-6 and six last week on the NFL pick straight up. I, me and this dude are leading the league. He gets me to he gets me to pick him. I tell you what, there's some tough games this week. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, if you're picking the tech, I, that, that clip, you might want to get you a podcast and start giving out winners. I call it my Percy Smart Peel picks. <laughs> <laughs> um, shoot, shoot, one week, one weekend I went 13 and 3. Wow. I guess, buddy. But, well. All right, yeah. but I know you got more to talk about than picking NFL games. Yeah, that's just a diversion. All right, well, give me the real, give me the real substance of the of the call. Yeah, David Pollock, I kind of have to question his uh, football intelligence, wouldn't you? No, I think he's very football intelligent. I, I think he he purposely did this. I, I don't. Uh, you know, like I said last year, we remember after the national championship game, Saban was on the set. And, uh, you know, right there when Nick Saban sat there, he, you know, made that comment about, I don't know, it was kind of, you know, the team that's dominating college football or, you know, no, it, it was, it was a, it, I thought that was a little bit of a, of a, a shot at Saban. And I think this was a shot at Saban. Uh, I do think he's confident George is going to win the game, uh, to go out there and, and say that. Uh, but at the same time, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I, I thought it was disrespectful of a guy. And you could say, well, yeah. he's just giving his opinion. Yeah, but he, he, you know, listening to him, he made it sound like Saban's washed. And uh, yeah. that's not well, that, the case. You, I mean, you, said, you know, this is a team that's 11-1 and one and 8-0 and oh in the league, and he's talking about look how they've slipped, you know. Look at the – they yeah. have too many penalties. They get, yeah. Well, well, well you know, after – you know, here's an analogy. After Eric Parsegian beat Bear Bryant, say, two times in the – 75, or what was that, 76 Orange Bowl was um, Eric Parsegian's last game, you know, 
some guy could have said he's a better football coach than Bear Bryant. You know, that you know, just because Kirby's beat him once or so. I don't know. I, I think I think he probably ought to keep that opinion. No, I do to too. Himself. That's why. That's why I opened the show with it. I, I was not only uh, do I disagree with it. I you know I was disappointed to to hear him he'll hear him give that opinion. Really was. Yeah. Your contacts in um, Mississippi, they excited about um, Jeff Lebby over there, you think? Yeah, you know, Mississippi Dark State Nile, fans. They're, 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 Mississippi State fans are really, really, really uh, excited about about Jeff Lebby. And I think they feel like that, you know, he's going to bring an offense that's going to score a lot of points. He's young. He's vibrant. Um, you know, he coached with Lane there at Ole Miss. So right now I think they're – they're pretty pumped up. They uh, uh, grab that phone though, if you don't mind. I think they uh, feel like this last year, you know, was 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 a difficult season, so they want to turn the page. You know, of course, rarely do you hire a coach and people not be excited. <laughs> so, you right. know, that's that's uh, you know, until you I always say you're the favorite, you know, you're the favorite son until you lose a game. But uh, I think for them, he was a pretty good hire. But we'll, you know, we'll see. It's tough. Listen, that's a good school. Their fans are great. They back their team, win or lose. Um, but, you know, it's going to be difficult for Mississippi State to consistently win in this league. And now with Oklahoma and Texas come in, it's going to get harder. And, you know, I've had this yeah. discussion many times. Just because you have resources, just because you're aligned, just because you put uh, a lot into your program, uh, doesn't mean you're going to win in this conference. And I, I, yeah. I just think I think that's a tough job. I mean, I think it's a tough yeah. job. Well, Gary, I think – Thought about next year. I've already got my uh, mantra for the SEC: the original SEC teams and the carpetbagger team. That's what I'm going to call the <laughs> one. The original SEC teams, kind of like the NHL. You know, the original six, and then um, you know we'll have the the rest of the teams, the, the carpetbaggers. You know, but I, you know I've always liked Mississippi State over the years. I know some people, my Alabama friends, some of them kind of like to laugh at them, but. I've always liked them. I appreciate those people. They no, people. I told you, I do too. I think they're, I think they're fabulous fans. I think they uh, yeah. they back their team. I think they have realistic expectations. I just said I think it's a tough job in the sense that trying to navigate through oh, these shark infested waters. But now, having said that, you know you don't have to go, you know, twelve and zero there. I mean, you 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 win. You know, you you competitive against the good teams. You know, you win eight or nine games and get to a good bowl game, and I think they appreciate that. So in yeah. that well, regard, maybe it's a pretty good job. Here's what you do at Mississippi State. You know, you put those seven and fives, eight and fours, nine and threes, and then you can throw a ten and two in there, kind of like Kiffin's done, you know. I think, that, I think they'll be happy, you know. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, Ole Miss people are... Ole Miss people are pretty happy right now, and they should be. They went 10-2, and two, and their only two losses were to Georgia and Alabama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Gary, back to the football game. I'm kind of getting a better feeling about this thing as the week goes along, you know. I, I, uh, I, um, you know, if we're the football program we say we are and tradition we say we have, we're not going to let Georgia beat us 30 for our 30-game win streak. We're going to try to take some of our pride back. You know, back over the years, the Alabama football tradition, 
you know, I, I, I think we got a lot at stake here Saturday. Let's go back out there and show them what this tradition means. Because Georgia thinks there's a new brand of the SEC. Let's, let's go back out there and take our turf back. I would love to see Alabama go over there and get that W. And you're right. You make, you can make a statement in, you know, three hours on, on Saturday afternoon that flips this entire narrative about who George is and who Alabama is. So the opportunity's right. here. And we've seen Nick Saban right. seize the opportunity before. Uh, nobody's coached in more big games in the last 15 years in college football than Nick Saban. It's not even close. And, uh, got another one on Saturday. And you're right. It's a statement Saturday for Alabama. You win this game, buddy. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it's a, it's a different narrative as far as the SEC is concerned. Let let everybody have their playoff. But you go back out there and beat Georgia Saturday, and uh, and you take that pride back, and you show the country that we're still here, boys. That they'll they'll know what we're talking about come next year when we when we got a lot of people coming back and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, you know built up. Uh, Resentment if they keep us out of this playoff, but mm-hmm. we got to go with your mindset, Gary. You can't see a SEC champion not making it. All right, brother. Good talking to you. Appreciate it, cowboy. All right, we got to uh, we got to get to the break. Come back with Jeff Spiegel from ABC thirty three forty and host of the Zone next, right here on the Gary Harris Show. Keep it dialed in. We'll be back after this. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. Alabama, Georgia. 10, 5, touchdown, Alabama. It's the SEC Championship live from Atlanta, Georgia. Let's get out of here again. Alabama wins it. Cheer on the Tide this Saturday as the Crimson Tide look to get revenge on the Bulldogs. Our coverage starts at noon from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. On your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. The Eagles take it easy, and uh, Jeff Spiegel is with us. Perfect intro song. Jeff loves the Eagles, and he is an easygoing, laid-back guy who does an unbelievable job covering the sports scene in Alabama and has for many years, and that includes the latest edition of the Iron Bowl. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Jerry. How you doing? Doing great, man. What a game. And uh, I said this earlier with Ellis Johnson in sports, the true reality television. Just when you think you've seen it all, you've reminded that you have it. Uh, fourth and go from the 31, Milro to Bond, and another Iron Bowl script is uh, written. And uh, this one goes in Alabama's favor. Two in a row down there, Jordan Hare, that they pulled out uh, in the one in four overtimes and the other one in nearly the last play of the game. You were there. Tell us, uh, Tell us about it. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know if that means the voodoo is gone from uh, Jordan Hare Stadium or not. But uh, but that's yeah, that's two epic, epic comebacks in a row. 
I mean, the 12-play, 97-yard drive that Bryce led to tie the game two years ago. And and then this, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's just unbelievable. Um, I was in the other end zone. We, we had two photographers there. And Johnny Condom was with Chris McCauley on the Alabama side. And I was with Sam Lowe on the Auburn side. And I tapped Sam on the shoulder and I go, right before the fourth and 31 play, and I go, dude, this is going to be a madhouse. I go, just shoot what you see. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be, we'll be right by each other. We'll get whatever interviews we can get. And let's just pray to God we don't get run over, you know? Very next minute, Bill Rowe throws the pass to Bond and I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. It was crazy. Yeah, Jeff, yeah, break it. Let's, let's break it down a little bit. And, and Ellis Johnson, you know, who coached at Alabama, coached at Auburn, you know, and said he thought Auburn's defensive staff had done a really good job this year. He said they, Flat out dropped the ball on that last, you know, series, uh, the last play uh, that Alabama scored on. And um, you were there. I mean, I know I say, you say, how does that happen? But it shouldn't happen. I mean, there's no way that on fourth and goal from the 31-yard line that Jalen Milrow should be able to stand back there, scan the field, Isaiah Bond, you know, basically do kind of a, a, a post-corner type route where he goes inside and he cuts back to the corner and DJ, DJ James is single coverage and it turned out to be just, you know, granted, heck of a throw, heck of a catch, but it wasn't nearly as complicated as it should be in that situation. What in the world happened? Yeah, and you call a timeout to to set up that defense. That that's that's the thing that blows my mind about it. There are there are no other defensive coordinators I can think of who would have called that set. Not Ellis, not Ellis Johnson, not Joe Kynes, not Bill Oliver. You know, I just name them. I mean, there's no defensive coordinator that would have a set like that. What, what what's Eugene Asante doing in a, in a as a spy? You know, why, why aren't they rushing more people? I mean, why do they, why, why do they even think that Milroe would, would try to go 31 yards and run the ball with it when there's all those people that can tackle him? It, it was just, it was a horrible, horrible defensive strategy. And, uh, and you know what? Um, when, when you screw up like that, it ought to blow up in your face in an epic, epic manner. Uh, and it did. And quite honestly, you know, Hugh Freeze is going to reevaluate his staff, and uh, that may cost Ron Roberts his job, wow. and, and rightly so. It probably should. Well, wow, wow, wow. For Alabama, it keeps the dream alive. Now, I have had a little bit of an issue this week, Jeff, where people say, well, if they lost that game, they have nothing to play for. I hate how we've we've diminished the SEC championship. I thought two years ago Alabama won the SEC championship game with a great performance against then also unbeaten and number one ranked Georgia. And because they didn't win the national championship, you know, no one wants to remember. It's still a big deal to play for the SEC championship, and Alabama would be playing for that on Saturday regardless of whether they won the Iron Bowl or not. But now they're playing for more, hopefully for an opportunity if they win to get into the college football playoff. But you turn the page, and now Alabama goes from the from the hunted to the hunter. I mean, they're they're the underdog. Six-point underdog against Georgia. Uh, Georgia's won 29 in a row. Two-time defending national champion. Haven't lost since Alabama beat them two years ago. So I, I don't know if that uh, frees Alabama up. But it's a different kind of pressure, right, Jeff? I mean, the pressure yeah. in the Iron Bowl Saturday is, hey, you're you're two-touchdown favorite. Um, you know, you're going up against a team that's, that's six and five. I mean, you're supposed to win. Now, people hope you win, but 
you're not supposed to win. I mean, Georgia's Georgia's the favorite here. Yeah. Gary, I, uh, you're not trying to say that Georgia's to hunt it now because Kirby, Kirby Smart's going to get real mad if you well, say that. Well, he can get mad all he wants, but they, <laughs> they, they are, they are the hunted. And in this case, Alabama gets that rare opportunity to, to, to be the hunter. I, as I said, the, you know, you, it's a lot on the line. Don't get me wrong. I oh, get it. So much. But, but I still think, Maybe this getting through that Iron Bowl like that, pressure removed from that in-state rivalry, that it frees them up a little bit, Jeff. Well, I totally agree with that. I mean, and uh, and look, Georgia's been the hunted for a long time, and they've won 29 games in a row. Look, this hasn't been done since Alabama did it. Like, uh, what, back in, what, 78 to 80 or something like that? This is unprecedented, I mean, what Georgia's doing. And, uh, and they're just a juggernaut. They're a powerhouse. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I expect it to be just a, you know, a classic football game. There's everything to play for. I mean, look, if, if, if they don't beat Georgia, the conversation's over. You know, if they beat Georgia, you know, then there's a big conversation, you know, uh, among that committee as to, you know, who gets in and, and who gets out. My personal belief is, is that Alabama obviously needs to beat Georgia, but, but then they need some help. You know, they need either Texas or Florida State to lose. I mean, I think that's just that's just the bottom line. I don't think they get in, you know, unless they get some help in addition to that victory. Um, I've gone back and forth on that, but uh, but but that that's that's the way I feel here on you know November thirtieth, twenty twenty three, as we get closer to this colossal game. So, who do you like? I mean, you know. Um... You think Alabama's got the, the, the right stuff to, uh, to get it done? Or you think Georgia makes the college football playoffs committee's job a lot easier by going ahead and taking care of business? Well, this is the best defense that Georgia will have played. Uh, they're, they're such a good offensive team right now. Carson Beck, uh, every time I see him play, I mean, he, he never gets his jersey dirty. I mean, the guy's got a clean pocket. Now, Alabama's going to put more pressure on him than any other football team this year has. I would say this Georgia offense is the second best offense that Alabama's played all year. Uh, I think LSU is the best, the most explosive, but, uh, but Georgia, as far as an all around team, I mean, there's no one better that Alabama has played this year. Um, but I think, you know, but I think just like as we, we were talking before the LSU game, I mean, I think, I think Alabama can keep up. I mean, I think there's going to be a highly competitive game. I think it could be, you know, the best SEC championship game that you know, we've probably ever seen. Uh, and, and it's just going to go right down to the wire, I think, because I think both of these teams are playing at such an incredibly high level right now. Really are. I can't, I mean, I can't wait. All right. Uh, if Alabama is to, is, is to win the game, Jeff, what, what are the keys in your mind? What, what do they have to do? Obviously score more points, but you know what I mean? What, how do you get yourself in position against this incredible Georgia team to have a chance to win it in the fourth quarter? Well, they got to get off their blocks. The defensive uh, guys have to get Reed. off their blocks. Yeah. And this Georgia offensive line is just just mammoth. I mean, they're just uh, I mean, they're just a bulldozer. I mean, they can uh, they're, they're good run blockers. They're good pass blockers. And uh, you know, they got they got to got to make Carson Beck uncomfortable. And he hasn't been uncomfortable all year. In fact, I would argue that the team that's made him most uncomfortable this year was probably Auburn. You know, and, and they've, they've got to make him uncomfortable and force him into, you know, some mistakes. Um, 
And, you know, I'm sure Georgia's probably thinking the same way when, when they attack Milrow, you know, because uh, Milrow's been pretty smart, you know, in terms of, you know, protecting the football lately. So uh, that's the path to victory, you know, for Alabama. They've, you know, all, all the things, you know, you got to avoid the turnovers and you got to avoid these penalties, you know, like uh, like Law with with a block in the back that uh, kind of, you know, took a score away from mm-hmm. them and all those things. You got to stay away from that stuff. I mean, this is one of those things when you're the underdog, you got to play clean. You know, when you're the favorite, you can get away with not playing clean, you know. But if you're the underdog and you're playing a team like this, it, it's got to be a clean football game. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Some other topics, Jeff. What do you think? Uh, first, let's start with. I guess again, we just continue to see things. I mean, I never dreamed when, when Hugh Freeze was let go at Ole Miss the way he was that he'd be a head coach again in the SEC. He is. I never would have ever dreamed in my wildest imagination that Bobby Petrino would be going back to Arkansas <laughs> some twelve years later as the offensive coordinator. And let's be honest. A bad start by Sam Pittman away probably next season for being the head coach. What do you what do you make of this deal with Bobby Petrino going back to Fayetteville? I I I can't I can't I can't figure it out. I can't. Are you are you telling me are you telling me there's no other offensive coordinators out there that you keep you keep having to recycle this guy? I mean, you know, it didn't work for Jimbo. And now, now Sam's kind of in trouble. So this is who he calls on. Well, you listen, Jeff. You know this isn't Sam Pittman's hire. There's no, no way. There's no, no like way you'd want to bring it this wasn't guy Jimbo's in. Hire. That wasn't Jimbo's That's right. hire. Yeah. I I don't get it, man. I don't get it. But and I'll never get it. Uh, and you know, I I don't know. I, that's one of those things where, man, I was just I couldn't shake my head fast enough when I saw that news. Speaking of A&M and this disaster uh, that they continue to call the best resourced program, all everything's in place other than the fact that they just can't win a championship. Uh, look, Mark Stoops was going to be the coach there until he wasn't going to be the coach, and, and now they settle on Mike Elko, their former defensive coordinator under Jimbo Fisher, who did do a nice job at Duke, uh, but now he goes to Aggieland. Um, you like the hire? Well, I mean, I really do. I mean, I think, uh, I think Elko's had some experience there. I think he knows the culture. Um, I think he's a really good coach. I really do. Um, I, I think, I think he's, he's going to come in there and, and do a really good job. Now, now the expectations are incredibly high, probably ridiculously high. I mean, when you think about it, but, uh, but, but I think he's a guy who understands that. And I think he's a pretty good X's and O's guy too. And, and I think he'll do a good job there. Jeff Levy in Starkville. I mean, after the situation with Mike Leach passing, they went with Zach Arnett. I don't think many of us thought it was going to work from the get-go, but a defensive guy. Now they go offense with a guy who's got experience, obviously, in that state, having coached for Kiffin at Ole Miss, comes in from Oklahoma. Uh, state fans seem genuinely pumped for this hire. What do you make of it? Well, it's obvious, you know, they're going to have a clean slate because Will Rogers is not going to be around. And, uh, but, the, but this is a guy who, uh, who's been really good at drawing up plays. I mean, uh, going back to his days at Ole Miss and, and then I think his last performance, uh, you know, against TCU, they put up 69 on the Horn Frogs and, um, you know, they, I, I'm excited about both those hires, but, uh, you know, and I saw the video, uh, you showed of, uh, Levy arriving at Starkville and all those fans are excited, man. And it has, it's, 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 and, and they deserve it. It's been a very, very difficult, 
you know, time since Coach Leach passed away, and they've been kind of, you know, wandering around uh, just kind of in a daze. And now I think they've got a focus, and, and I think they're headed in a good place. I want to get back to Alabama and Georgia, and, and I ran it this morning on the show. We've discussed it, but David Pollock, who last year when he was still an analyst for ESPN, I, I thought that he, he tried to show up saving on the set last year. And then yeah. uh, yesterday, uh, yeah, with, with uh, Aaron Murray and T Bob Aberry, he does the old uh, uh, Kirby's the best coach, uh, is better coach than Saban. Listen. Kirby's a great coach. I don't have any problem with saying, you know, Kirby's doing a great, but to be that direct, I thought that, I thought that was a shot at Saban. Obviously, Pollock's confident Georgia's going to win the game. I don't think he would have said that, but it just seems a little uncalled for to me. I mean, you know, he, and he'll say, well, that's just my opinion and I, you know, I shoot straight and all that, but I, I took it again. I took it as disrespectful towards Saban. How did you see, uh, his comments? playing out and did you take it as strictly I'm 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 pumping up Kirby Smart or did you take it the way I did it? This is kind of a shot at Nick Saban in Alabama. Well I think I think a, I think a, if you're gonna make that statement then then you have to say that you know Kirby Smart has gone toe to toe with Nick Saban in every meeting and coached the entire sixty minutes with his head on straight and, and beat the guy, you know, more times than not. That's that hasn't been the case. Kirby's got one win over Nick, and that's in the national championship game. Now, that is a huge, huge victory. But there have been other situations, too, where, you know, Georgia's, Georgia's had leads on Alabama for the majority of the game, and then he wasn't able to close the deal. Now, if you're a Georgia fan, and I know a lot of them, they're going to go, Speaks, that's ancient history. That, 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 that's all ancient history. It's really not. It's not. You know, he's got one win in the national championship game a couple of years ago, but he stumped his toe so many other times in those matchups that, you know, you can't ignore those. And until he beats Saban multiple times, then, you know, I'm not ready to say he's a better coach than Saban. I'm with you. 100%, Jeff. 100 percent um high school semifinals coming up friday night of course the 7a finals already set between thompson and 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 central phoenix city um these semifinal games one or two that you're really you're, you're most looking forward to 6a semi parker yeah. and clay charcoal yeah, i mean that's going to be sensational uh you know parker beat them 7-6 in round one last year so revenge is on the mind of the cougars and, uh, you know, they're, they're both just high quality football teams right now. And, um, and look, uh, you know, 5A Ramsey and Gunnersville. I mean, Gunnersville is sneaky good. I mean, they beat Pleasant Grove, who's a really, really good football team. He throws it and catches it as good as anybody in the state. And, uh, and Gunnersville beat them. So Gunnersville has got to, has got to come to Legion Field and deal with Ramsey. And the one thing about Ramsey that kind of makes you a little uncomfortable if you're a Rams fan is that they're a tad undisciplined. And they're a tad emotional, you know, and as Nick Saban likes to say, it's okay to be emotional, uh, just play with emotion, just don't get emotional. And, uh, and they do. They, they, there were a lot of flags in that game last week. And, uh, and Ramsey had to kind of fight through that and, and overcome all that. But if they go out there and they, uh, keep shooting themselves in the foot against this Guntersville team, I mean, uh, Guntersville could walk away with an upset here. And, and then I love that Pickens, I love that Pickens County Cusa Christian matchup too. Uh, I mean, Pickens County's been, been there and done that, but they just haven't been able to do that. 
in terms of winning a state championship. So I'm really pulling for those guys to get the win uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I am too, with that being one of our teams here in West Alabama. And finally, uh, about a minute, Jeff, Alabama basketball. Um, we saw it against Ohio State. We saw it against Clemson. I mean, they just physically are having a hard time matching up against these experienced physical teams inside. Alabama can score the basketball, but, boy, they got bullied uh, against Clemson in particular. It, how big a problem is this going to be for them going forward? Well, they're missing Charles Bediaco. Absolutely. And, uh, and they don't have a rim protector, and I think that is a big, big problem. Grant Nelson's a big guy, but he's not a Bediaco. And, uh, and they've, they've got to find an answer for that because Ohio State drove to the rim time and time again. Uh, the Clemson guards, you know, kind of had a field day. PJ Hall was really effective. So, uh, Nate Oates has got to, has got to shore that up. Jeff, great stuff. Uh, of course, zone coming up Sunday night, and uh, my gosh, last <laughs> last week you recapped the Iron Bowl. Now this Sunday you'll be recapping the SEC championship game. Yeah, and the college football playoff Final Four. Yeah, There'll be right. a lot of drama there too. Uh, Ten thirty-five uh, Sunday night on ABC thirty-three forty. Uh, Gary, really appreciate you, and uh, have a great day. Thanks, Jeff. All right, it's ten fifty-two. We got to break away and come back and uh, get ready to wrap up this uh, edition of the Gary Harris Show. We'll do that next. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients. At Patterson, if you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Join 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny today. The high for this afternoon around 61. Becoming cloudy tonight with rain moving in below 47. Tomorrow and Saturday, cloudy. Rain likely both days. Maybe a few thunderstorms as well. Highs between 65 and 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 52 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9. 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Ten fifty-five, winding it down here on the Gary Harris Show for this Thursday. Again, a reminder: tomorrow's the TGIF edition, and uh, we always look forward to that. Our T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery, Bama football trivia segment tomorrow, and uh, we've given away some incredible prizes this year. I mean, really, just beautiful, large hand-signed prints. We've given away autographed footballs, and then tomorrow, how about this? And I'll put the picture of the gloves out on uh, social media a little bit later on. But we're going to give away some Isaiah Bond autographed game-worn gloves. You know, the receivers wear these gloves, um, and, uh, you know, he certainly has had a great year. And, I mean, he's had a phenomenal year. And to have an opportunity to win a pair of gloves that he hand-signed, that he wore in one of the games, it's just uh, going to be awesome. And uh, we'll give those away tomorrow, courtesy of T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery, and the University Mall. And also, of course, more uh, SEC Championship game talk. In fact, uh, Coach Saban, Coach Smart, and Greg Sankey all will have a uh, press conference today on Zoom. And uh, we'll have some of that uh, sound for you tomorrow. And, of course, tonight on WVUA 23 on your sports, on our local news, I'm going to have that uh, press conference uh, video and audio tonight as well. So I want you to join me tonight on your local sports. Final thought here before we close out the show. 
on this game on on Saturday. We've broken it down today. We've broken it down all week. Uh, I'll be in Atlanta on Saturday for the game and uh, can't wait to get over there and, and cover this uh, latest uh, battle between the Bulldogs and the Crimson Tide. But don't let, again, I, I've tried to keep everything in perspective this week, Noah, that if Alabama wins the SEC championship and goes 12-1 and and 9-0 and in the SEC, they deserve to be in the college football playoff. But even if they don't make it, don't let that deter from what an incredible season it's been. If Alabama accomplishes that and wins a ninth SEC title under Nick Saban, that's a big deal, folks. Now, I still believe if Alabama wins, they're going to be in the playoff. And also, let me say this. Even if the tide falls on Saturday, this has still been a heck of a year. There's, there's, there's 12 other teams that wish they were where Alabama is on Saturday in Georgia. 12 other teams. Alabama and Georgia are the only two. Just to win the West Division, go 8-0, win a four-straight Iron Bowl, beat LSU and Tennessee after they beat you last year, this has been an incredible year. And I think this year is going to – has a chance to get even better, obviously. But also don't forget and lose track of the fact that even with the portal and all the stuff that's going to happen, Alabama should have a loaded roster next year in 2024. They're going to be really, really good. So all this, the Saban is slowing down stuff, not happening. Alabama's going to be good next year. I think better than this year. All right, that's going to do it for the show. For Noah Haynes, I'm Gary Harris. Thanks for listening. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law. Get ready for the Miller's Edge. That's coming up at 11 a.m. Big noon sports from noon until 2. And then Ryan Fowler will take you home with the game this afternoon from 2 until 6. Right here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC. Have a great day, everybody. for listening to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Houston Hydro Steam Carpenter Post